0: healthy for good. Join me each week for a new episode that'll help you sustain healthy habits and nourish your body so you can flourish in life. When it comes to nutrition, does it feel like you know what to do, you're just not doing it? Or maybe you find yourself stuck in this annoying all or nothing cycle. If it sounds like I'm reading your diary, well, that was my diary for a while too. And it's also the story of the thousands of women I've personally coached. That's why I created Flourish, the nutrition and body image support app made for women. If you recognize that diets don't work, but just not dieting isn't helping you feel your best either, download Flourish today. Your first live session with one of our credentialed nutrition and psychology experts is totally free, no credit card required. From there, you'll continue your journey with personalized accountability and support so that once you graduate from Flourish, you'll never need another nutrition program again. So head to the show notes and download Flourish for iOS or Android today. You're listening to The Flourish Podcast. I'm your host, Claire Siegel, founder of Flourish. We're on a mission to help women get healthy for good. Join me each week for a new episode that'll help you sustain healthy habits and nourish your body so you can flourish in life. Today's episode of The Flourish Podcast is brought to you by The Flourish Membership pretty meta, right? Okay. But in all seriousness, if you're a fan of the podcast, then you're exactly who we built this membership for. And you're probably ready to start making some major moves. Flourish is the place where women make peace with food, better their body image, and get healthy for good. Inside the Flourish membership, you'll get unlimited access to credentialed nutrition and mindset coaches. You'll get community support from women who are on the same page as you, And you're also going to get an evidence-based curriculum to help you cut through the clutter and guide your daily actions. Now, we're still invite only, but I'm giving friends of the podcast early access. So use code podcast to get started with a totally free, no strings attached, 30-minute strategy session with one of our coaches, and then spend the next week checking out the rest of the membership totally free. The link to sign up is in the show notes. And again, use code podcast to sign up today. All right, let's get into the episode. Well, welcome back to the Flourish podcast. I am so incredibly delighted to be here with Alex Snodgrass of the Defined Dish, who I feel needs pretty much like no introduction. Um, I am sure I'm not uh, introducing our audience members to you, Alex. So why don't we just like Get right into it. How does that sound to you? I love it. Thanks for having me. Let's hop <laughs> right on in. <laughs> Let's hop right in on in. Okay. So obviously your, you know, career in in so many ways is is all about food um, and the love of food and celebrating your love of food. So I would love for you to kind of take us back and share how your upbringing has influenced um, your love of food. Um, Maybe describe kind of your relationship to food now and speak to anything that sticks out to you in terms of what has impacted or, or influenced what your relationship with food is like today.
1: Yeah. You know, I think to really kind of sum up my relationship with food is like I just love not only food and the flavors around it, but I think now more than ever, I realize how much I love the the sensations and how it can bring people together more than anything. Like I realized so much of what I do is because of my upg- upbringing around food. I grew up in a small town. We really did not have restaurants. We had like one like drive through burger joint, but like it was more of like a lunch spot. And going out to eat was like a we have to get in the car, we got to drive to the city. We're going to go out to eat. That was like a very special occasion thing that we would do. I mean, we still did it quite often, but it wasn't our every night like, I don't feel like cooking. Let's go down the street and get something to eat or let's get takeout. That just wasn't a, really an option for us. So it was always. Cooking dinner at home and having dinner at home and having dinner with my family. And I realized most of my memories with my siblings and with my parents revolve around the dinner table or around the holiday table. And like most, some of my most fond memories are around that. And so I really think after the stay at home orders and really realizing the value of that time of day and like putting so, even more of an emphasis than I already did, I was already somebody that you know, put a lot of emphasis on dinner time. I just realized like there is nothing more powerful than that moment at the end of the day to sit around and really connect and talk about our day together and enjoy a meal together. So I think that's the, that's the biggest thing that I feel around food.
0: Yeah. That, that genuine love of it. I think that for so many of us, especially as we, you know, focus on our health or focus on nutrition, we forget that that social aspect of food is a part of what it is to be healthy and to have a healthy relationship with food. And when you're having to like sacrifice that, um, it's hard to like really, in my opinion, like experience life (laughs) kind of at at, like the highest and and most whole level. For sure. And it's
1: like, you know, Your weight can ebb and flow, but there's like nothing that ebbs and flows like that time with your family and making that a foundation of your life is just, I think, one of the most valuable things that you can do um, as a person, whether you're single and you just like make yourself a dinner and put your phone aside and like sit down and really take time to enjoy that dinner and like just be a little bit more intentional about it, I think can really shift your mind so much about food. And and instead of thinking of food as this stressor that at the end of the day you don't want to do, you have to clean the dishes. Like of course there are some things that make cooking a little bit less delightful. Mm-hmm. But if you really focus on what the the end result really is and like how wonderful it really is to cook yourself a meal, even though there's some like obstacles in the way. It's so wonderful. And then you can kind of put the stressor of the cleaning, of course, a little bit more to the side and not make it like the end all be all like, oh, I just don't want to clean. So I'm not going to cook. And also the, there's also the other stressor, like you mentioned, of what am I going to eat tonight? Is it healthy? How many calories is it for some people? Like it just turns into this evil thing when really it's like the most beautiful, wonderful thing. And if you can kind of shift your mind to that, it will It will really help the other aspects that people struggle with in my opinion,
0: a hundred percent now, I see that in our our members all the time, and a lot of the work that we do just revolves around like shifting their view of food as into like something that can be part of their self care um and that's something we'll we'll get into a little bit later in our conversation, but how like fueling and nourishing your body is just as important if not. I would argue more important than, you know, so many other things that we do as, as part of our self-care, whether that's exercise or, you know, of course like sleep and then, you know, the, the fun stuff like massages or nail appointments or whatever else that we we (laughs) do or don't get to add to the list um, on a regular basis. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. So something that I've just been like super excited to talk with you about, um, is body image. I know it's been something that you've you know touched on here and there, and in your stories and things like that. And um, certainly, we've all experienced you know some uh, we'll call it craziness over the last eighteen months. Um, to say the least. So you know you've been open about you know being challenged at times by emotional eating, you know body image things. So. Just from like your personal experience, has there been anything that's been really helpful for you as you navigate what are, I mean, just probably the mo- some of the most common struggles that we experience as women?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's so tricky because I feel like I have a really good relationship with my body and food and I'm not necessarily certain of like how I've gotten to this point. I think it's a, a multitude of things. Like, you know, right before I got on this call, I was like trying to put on jeans and I do not. And I have a lot of jeans, let me tell you. And I only really <laughs> fit into a small handful of them now because I have put on a lot of weight over the last year and it's I have found it pretty hard to get rid of right now. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things that like, I feel like probably in college, I would have literally thrown a little emotional <laughs> like breakdown out. Like now I just... I don't really let myself go there because I'm like what what good is that going to do me today yeah. in in my day and my um emotions I also think you know I have two daughters I really want to set a good example for them and not you know kick and scream around and pout about the fact that none of my jeans fit um so that's really important to me I also think my mom never did that around me she always had a really a good relationship with her body and never really talked negatively about her body around us. So I think I also have that foundation there. So I think it's just a lot of different things. I mean, I think even if you do have a really positive upbringing, there can still, because of society, be a lot of things that make you feel like you're not good enough. And I think it takes a lot of time and pruning to really get over that. And my favorite kind of, quote that I always tell myself is, I'm not going to punish myself. I'm going to nourish my body. So I say nourish, not punish. And so when I do feel this way, it's like, what if I start doing the whole yo-yo diet thing of where I'm just going to try to cleanse to get rid of the weight in a minute, not only am I miserable because I'm not having the, the food and <laughs> all the things that bring joy to your day, but also I am going to finish that cleanse and I'm just going to start eating again. And I haven't really taught myself anything about nourishing my body. I'm just trying to lose weight. It doesn't have any other meaning behind it. So I really try to focus on, okay, what am I eating um, this week? How can I meal plan to set up my week for success, to eat a lot cleaner and more meaning, like more intentionally rather than just going on some crazy cleanse to shock my body and... (laughs) get rid of the weight that quickly. So I don't know. Um, we can get more specific in the nitty gritty, but it's just one of those things where I haven't really figured out like the perfect formula for why I feel really comfortable in my own body. Um, but I do think that there's a multitude of things that I've Mm -hmm. just kind of just switched my mentality. and I just really just shut off that noise when it starts to come in. And I'm not saying it doesn't try to come in, all the time. yeah. I just have that off switch with myself where I just, I just really won't let it go there.
0: Yeah. That is so awesome. I can maybe point out a couple of things that that I'm hearing since I talk with so many women about this. I think what I'm hearing is that you've learned a lot from your history, right? You've, perhaps it sounds like, you know, tried the cleanses in the past, and you know yourself at this point that like, okay, yeah, maybe that will result in (laughs) short term weight loss, but it's not going to, you know, support me in the long term. And then also an evolution of your values, right? Whereas, like, having that kind of body image meltdown in in your younger years would have made sense. And it would have like riled you up to that point. Now you have like, bigger and better things to to think about and spend your your emotional energy on and and plus like you said your your daughters. I can't think of I'm not a parent but I can't think of something that's more motivating and and kind of um yeah just guiding than setting an example for obviously two two young women who you love dearly. For sure.
1: I think you hit the nail on the head of summarizing <laughs> yeah. for the most part. Yeah, no. I I just think it's so important to just not I mean it's it's practice makes perfect, I think, and and we can't all just get there overnight if we, if we are in a bad place. But I think with time and with intentions, you can definitely um, achieve a, a positive body image.
0: Totally, and I think that's such a good reminder too that even for someone who is in a good place with their relationship with food and their relationship with their body, it doesn't mean you don't have bad body image days. It doesn't mean that you don't care at all that you know your genes aren't fitting you. Like that's still like yeah, it brings that, that sting or that burn. It, it's challenging. Mm-hmm. And then you also move on and it doesn't impact the way that you choose to treat your body. I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway. Um, and something that we mm-hmm. work on a lot with our members is like, you're still going to have bad body image days, whether it's in your control or out of your control, but what is in your control is your response to that. And that uh-huh. you can show so much like evolution and progress, um, just in how your response to bad body image days changes.
1: Absolutely. I, Totally
0: agree. I love that. Okay, so I want to. I want. Do you want to dig in a little bit deeper to how you kind of do set that positive example for for your your daughter. So I remember. So I'm like I said, not a, not a parent, but I am a new aunt, which is super exciting for me. I have a yeah. one year old nephew and. I mean I knew that kids were kind of a sponge. I had this moment I was with my brother and sister-in-law I live in Dallas. So I was in Dallas visiting them for the weekend and my sister-in-law was feeding her son broccoli. And she heated up this broccoli and it was too hot so she blew on it before she gave it to him so he could feed himself. And he picked it up, blew on it and then put it in his mouth and it was like monkey see monkey do like <laughs> totally it kind of blew my mind. I was like, "Oh wow, you as parents like have to really like be thoughtful of course about every action that you take." So I guess like kind of with that in mind, like how, how do you kind of, um, model a positive relationship with food or a positive relationship with, with your body for your, your daughters?
1: You know, I don't think that there's like any perfect way of doing it. And maybe sometimes I haven't been perfect, but my whole, what I try to do is teach them sometimes food and always foods. And Mm -hmm. the sometimes foods are the sugary treats. And like, I don't, I don't completely like eliminate like they actually you'd be surprised how much like junk my kids actually eat, even though I I do try to feed them, um, you know, healthier alternatives and limit yeah. those things. But I always leave that door open to go get fast food and to be, you know, a kid and just, you know, to live their life. But I also try to remind them like these foods you shouldn't eat every day because they are not nourishing to your body And we want to make sure that your tummy feels good and that you're growing and that you're treating your body well so that you can be healthy um, and not feel sick. And so that's really how I kind of position the conversation around you can eat, you should eat these things and you shouldn't eat these things, but it's okay to eat these things, but not always. They're not everyday foods. So I say those are, those are sometimes foods and these are always foods. Um, and that's kind of how we position that talk. And then I would say like the monkey see monkey do thing, you know, if I'm not eating dairy or things like that, which again, I still do eat dairy and I still do eat gluten. And I am kind of like an always sometimes foods person, by example, I lead by example, I think in a good way, but if they're like, Hey mom, like, do you want this piece of cake? And really, I don't want it. Like, it's not something that I want. Not necessarily because of the calories, but it's just, I'm not a huge sweet tooth person. I don't right. want to, you know, eat a piece of cake on a Tuesday night. Like I, I just say, eh, I'm okay. I'm not really hungry today or, you know, I don't really want any sugar right now. Um, and I'm limited at that. My oldest has the sweetest sweet tooth. Like she just cannot, like she wants dessert after every, every meal. She loves sweets. And so to Herschel sometimes kind of test me and be like, why don't you eat cake that much, you know, and ask me those kinds of questions. And I'm just like, I don't know, mommy just really likes salty foods more, you know, and I just yeah. kind of roll it off that way, I think. And um, hopefully that helps where it's not just like, oh, I don't eat cake because of these negative reasons. It's just more like, I don't really feel like it.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and they do still see me eat those things. So it's not like they think I never eat them, but I definitely don't eat them as frequently as they do. So <laughs> the conversation does come up and I, I just try to like respond in as smooth of a way as possible to where there's not a lot of negativity around it. I yeah. Guess.
0: Yeah. I think that makes sense. Like framing it in terms of choice, like I could eat those things, but I just I prefer not to because I prefer not to and, and leave it at at that. I think is yeah. is really beautiful. And like that's I mean, I think even that is something so great to to model for kids and especially for for two young girls. Like I think a lot of the the work that we do with our members is about kind of autonomy and choice. And you know, you have power over food, you know, that food does not have the power over you. So if, you know, today you're feeling like cake, great, have a slice of cake. And if you're not feeling like cake, that doesn't mean you have to eat it just because it's there, because you fear it's going to go away. It's, it's all about autonomy and choice and and you're a a grown Mm. woman and can choose what to put in your body. For sure. (laughs) I love that. Okay. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Thanks for, for going there with me. I, I love talking about this stuff. Um, Let's talk about your cookbook. Uh, we're yes. I, I'm thrilled. I remember to to give the audience some history. You and I met first in person years ago. It was probably like 2017 or 18 when I was still working at at Snap Kitchen, and you told me you were like I'm you know it's a secret, but I'm working on my first book. And now you know fast forward however many years later, and your second book, The Comfortable Kitchen, is is coming out. So tell us all about it. How would you say it's similar or different from your first cookbook? Yeah.
1: So I, I think it's definitely like another step outside of like what I did with my first book. My first book was Whole30 Endorsed. And while this second book has, again, a lot of recipes that are Whole30 compliant, it's not um, endorsed by Whole30 this time. It's just kind of my own, whatever. (laughs) So I wasn't as focused on like, okay, 60% of the recipes or whatever. I can't remember like what I needed to do for the last one. It was a little bit more of um, like my food freedom. And I really, they never really limited me with my first book at all. They were very open. Like, we want you to express your own version of food freedom yeah. um, and give our community options to eat Whole30 or you know the food freedom realm as well. So I just think it's another step outside of that. I was just definitely more open to like, okay, if I was making this salad, would I add cheese on top of it because I, it would really make the salad taste better and that's how I would actually eat it tonight or is it really just as good without the cheese? It was kind of one of those things where I wasn't as... Um, I wasn't overthinking it like, mm. you know what, the cheese, I, like before I just like kind of left out the cheese because I was really trying to focus on it being more paleo whole 30. So I would say it's an, another um, step in the direction of my food freedom. And it really shows a lot of like how I grew up eating mixed in with my kind of the ways that I've learned to eat around, you know, doing the whole 30 and um, trying to uh, eat, you know, with more helpful ingredients. Um, and how we kind of talked about earlier, I really try to set the intention of how important eating around the table with the ones that you love most really is. Um, and just being comfortable in the kitchen and comfortable with the foods that you make and comfortable with the people that you love and really gathering around without, letting those stressors keep you from doing something that's so beautiful and magical and can make so many memories with, with the people that you love. So it's really centered around that intention. Then also the food is just all deliciousness. There's a lot of, um, paleo whole 30 options just because I like to cook that way. But then there's also some really great pasta dishes. I have a cocktail chapter this time. And a dessert chapter this time, um, and some appetizers. So it kind of brings the whole dinner experience together, and really is how I cook and eat at home. So
0: <laughs> I love that. That is so exciting. My uh, my mom actually just threw a dinner party on Saturday, and she said she used all cook all recipes from your first cookbook. So she'll be super excited about oh, the, yes. the second now one.
1: She's gonna really be able to. Inter- it's not necessarily focused on entertaining, but it definitely brings in those elements. To where you could either cook on a Wednesday night or if you were having friends over Saturday, you could bring it all together with some other elements to, you know, maybe elevate it a little bit more. So it's a, it's really fun. I'm really excited about it and I love all the recipes and I can't wait for everyone to be able to cook them.
0: Yeah. And so when is it coming out? It'll be out in December. Okay. But pre-orders are are open now.
1: Pre-orders are open now. You can see a lot of the photos behind me. Yeah, so cool. So far back there. But um I'm really excited about it it's 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 wonderful
0: it's <laughs> so exciting well we'll for sure obviously have the the pre-order links in our uh, show notes so our, our audience members Thank can you. get in on that um, I already have my my order or my Copy pre-ordered. Um, Thank you. <laughs> well, let's talk. I would actually love to talk a little bit about dessert. I want to talk kind of about your yeah, like your approach to eating, which obviously sounds like it's really been um, kind of brought to life in the cookbook. So when it comes to dessert, we've touched on it a little bit, but I know you're not someone who naturally has a sweet tooth. But like, walk me through like your decision making process around having dessert. I really want to like help. I think you have such a beautiful and positive relationship with food, and really, what I'm trying to do is like kind of, you know, take a look inside your mind like how you're making decisions around around food in such a like beautiful and natural and intuitive way in a way that also serves your health. I think so many of our audience members that's not something that's coming naturally to to them right now. So, let's dig into dessert specifically. Yeah. <laughs> how how do you decide like when you're going to eat dessert versus when you're not? Okay. So to preface
1: this conversation, I want to be very clear that I am not a huge sweet tooth person. (laughs) I didn't grow up having dessert every day after dinner, but my dad always kept like those mini, um, candy bars, like Kit Kats or Snickers in the freezer, always frozen. We love frozen candy at my (laughs) my parents' house. Um, and I think for me, like, I just don't have that like trigger in my head after I finished eating that I need something sweet. I Mm -hmm. think, and I went through this phase in college though, where I had a roommate that was a huge sweet tooth and she had those dang Reese's eggs around. She would like stock up on them. They're delicious. And they were always sitting in a bowl, like uh, in our kitchen. And so I got in the habit of like always having one after I ate. And I swear, like it really kind of took me A while to be like, I don't need that. Like, I'm just literally addicted to them (laughs) and like that, addicted to that sweet sensation after I eat. So, I've really only gone through that phase about once in my life where I was like, I have to have something sweet after Mm -hmm. I eat. Um, But I do think also um, the whole 30 really helped me not feel like I need, you know, that topper at the end of my meal. Um, plus I just love savory things. Like I would rather eat a whole bag of chips. Like that's more of a hardship for me than being tempted by desserts. So just want to be clear on that before sure. I say that I'm some like genius when it comes to like not eating desserts. Um, but to me, I just like, if I'm really craving something sweet, it's not, it's, I will let allow myself to eat it. And I do make, um, you know, refined sugar-free desserts at home. I'll make like my paleo chocolate chip cookies. I'm really obsessed with right now. It's a newer recipe on my blog. If you haven't made them, highly recommend it. But keeping like, I'll make a batch of the dough and I'll roll them into balls and then I'll freeze the dough balls. And so that way, if like I really want dessert after dinner or my kids do, I can put, you know, four cookie yeah. balls on there. I can bake it and we can have those rather than making 24 cookies. And then you feel like you have to eat them because they're there. and They're going to go bad. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, being a little bit more strategic about, you know, using those ingredients, keeping them fresh longer, being able to pull them out and only making however many cookies you need rather than making too many and then potentially, um, going too far.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Totally. So a lot of like environmental, like sounds like in college, there was just like that environment of the Reese's eggs constantly out. So yeah, Yeah. of course, what are you going to do? Especially if your roommate is also doing that thing, just like that kind of um, instinctual shopping.
1: And if it's like a Monday night or like, you know, a night where I'm like, I've already had a lot of wine this weekend and I really don't want to eat dessert, but i have that sweet craving. I'll have some dried mango or Mm. like an apple um, after dinner, if I'm like really wanting something sweet. So um, again, I don't have a huge sweet tooth, but that's kind of my best practices, I guess, in my home is just not not keeping a lot of it around and not keeping it an abundance on you know on the table. I know I have so many friends that their moms were just like big bakers and they always had delicious baked goods and after dinner you had some deliciousness and I think that's awesome, but that's just not how <laughs> I necessarily grew up and it's not what I do now either. So no. That helps.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, me either. I'm trying to think. I don't think we like really ever had dessert. We would go, if, if yeah. we were going to have dessert, we would like drive down the street, go to Dairy Queen and get a blizzard. And it was, that was the highlight so of good. the week. And, and still yeah. is. Blizzards are freaking delicious. So good. I love them. <laughs> okay. Well then walk us through sweet, sweet tooth, notwithstanding, speak a little bit more about kind of like your Progression, I guess, from you know, like a whole thirty style way of eating, and how that has perhaps like influenced your food freedom. But, but again, like how you developed like your own sense of food freedom. Because I talk to a lot of women who recognize, like you have, and like I have, that like I feel really good eating on the whole thirty, but I can't eat like that all the time. But I cannot find like that middle ground without feeling totally out of control around food. I feel like you've done a great job of like finding your your kind of what we call healthy, happy middle ground. Like, how did you do that? Oh, I, I mean, I feel like
1: it ebbs and flows. Like I feel like there's some vacations and trips where I'll go and, um, just eat all the things and drink all the things and definitely, um, really <laughs> let anything go. Yeah. Um, but then again, I come home and I have that mentality of nourishing my body not and not punishing it to help create that balance rather than, you know, go the whole opposite way. So, um, I definitely allow myself those kind of weeks to just really be and not worry about it. But also you kind of feel like shit after you've done a whole 30 and you feel really good and you feel that energy and then you go the other way. It's, you feel like, Oh man, I I took it too far. Now I just don't feel good. I feel sluggish. I don't have that energy. And I, I want that. I'm craving that sensation of feeling energized and um and good and so i think it's more the feeling in my in my brain than it is necessarily in my body mm. that i crave and want um you know of course the bloat is another element too that helps me kind of like go towards that as well but you know i i definitely can tell when i've been eating a lot of junk especially sugar um the other things don't affect me as much but if i've like had a lot of margaritas like if we've been on vacation and wine and and sweets, I can tell it really triggers my anxiety. So for me, it's just not worth continuing to go down that route and just ignore it. So I really have to take care of myself by nourishing my body and eating things that make me feel good to avoid going down in that slump. So for me, that's really what has kept me in check is just that balance of um, just feeling mentally on top of it,
0: yeah, yeah, I love that It coming from like a place of just wanting to take care of yourself. Again, kind of like back to what we were saying earlier, just like approaching food and how you nourish your body as a way of caring for it versus a way of like trying to um, shape shift it into something that you are yeah. willing to care for. It's like no, I'm going to take care of my body right now as it is today. Yeah, for sure.
1: And I think it's like important to whenever I go on vacation, I'll try to eat. A healthier breakfast and lunch. And mm-hmm. then kind of after lunchtime is whenever I let the door swing open and I'm like, all right, what kind of fun are we going to have tonight? Where <laughs> are we going to go eat? Like, what are we going to explore? And I'll kind of, you know, just try to create a little bit of a balance uh, for myself so that I can, you know, keep it somewhat in check before I get home.
0: <laughs> so totally. don't lose my mind. <laughs> oh my gosh. Y'all, everything that you ate on your, your trip to, it was, you were in Hawaii, right? Uh-huh. That looked incredible.
1: For sure. And honestly, Hawaii, like, I feel like island food is definitely leans to the healthier side, all the fresh fish. True. Uh, everything. So it. I felt fine when I came home. The Mai Tais are what hurt me. There you go.
0: I know. <laughs> I'm, I,
1: I fell in love with the Mai Tais in Kauai but we just like couldn't stop drinking. Oh my gosh.
0: I, I have a similar, yeah. With, with uh, For me, it's not necessarily food, but like alcohol and caffeine. I have to be very cognizant of how much alcohol and caffeine I'm consuming. Otherwise, 100%. I'm just a total anxious mess. I don't yeah. sleep. It is a vicious cycle. So I'm, I'm actually taking yes. a, a break from both this month.
1: Yeah, I I need that. I was literally telling my husband yesterday because we've just been having so much fun this summer and definitely post covid we just our alcohol consumption you know has really increased <laughs> and we're trying to we're trying to get a grip of it. I'm like I think the only thing that's going to really help us is to like do a 30-day alcohol cleanse because we just like we'll be like okay, we're not drinking this week and then here comes Thursday we're like Maybe just one glass of yeah. wine, and then three glasses later, you're like, "Take
0: it." <laughs> it's tough. It is. It is really tough. I'm. The, I'm so, the same way. I don't like love to drink a lot, but I just yeah, like one glass of wine here and there. I, I love, but I will say the sleep quality. I'm like, it's. I'm enjoying it right now, so we'll see. Yeah, that's so great. Once you get over that hump, <laughs> yeah, sure. we'll see. I think I'm, I think I'm mid hump, but anyway. Um, okay, so I'd love to dig a little bit more into kind of like your more so like your process in the kitchen because I think you you kind of alluded to this before. I think a lo- uh, for a lot of people, what's hindering them getting into the kitchen is just kind of like the effort and the planning and the cleaning and like all the the drudgery of it. So how is what is your process? Probably not cookbook time, realizing like, this is kind of like a distinct moment in time, but like average day in the life or week in the life, like what is your process for planning meals for your family each week?
1: Yes. So I would say like before I really became a recipe developer, my process was I would go to the grocery store and I would pick out like what my proteins were for the week. I okay. do eat a lot of meat and fish. Um and so I would, like I would go to the grocery store and I would pick out, you know, I would probably I usually plan for about four days, sometimes five. Um, because I find after that you might have more food waste. So I would pick out four different like proteins or fish or whatever I was eating for my main course. And then I would go, go, I would kind of go backwards and I'd go back to the produce section and pick out what I wanted to pair with that, whether it be like grilled chicken with a salad or grilled chicken with broccoli and kind of go with it like a more Asian inspired dish. And just, I would really map it out that way. And then I'd finish by going through the pantry section and getting anything else that I may need there. Um, And so that's really how I would map out my dinners so that it would be kept a little bit more simple and you wouldn't go. I I think it's really important to remember that cooking doesn't have to be super fancy every time you cook. Of course, there's like a time I really do. My recipes are like this. I think for the most part too, they're, they're very simple and they're um not supposed to, you know, be extremely strenuous in the kitchen. I do have definitely a handful of more strenuous recipes for like the holidays or special occasions, but you know, you can make a stir fry, like a Chinese-inspired chicken and broccoli stir fry, and have dinner on the table in twenty minutes and it's freaking delicious. Um, you can also do sheet pan dinners and Add, and while it's roasting in the oven, make a really great sauce because otherwise you can dinner suck. I'm just going to say it. You oh, got to have a sauce on top. You have to have sauce. They are really just so, a vehicle for sauce. Yeah. So while, you're, <laughs> it, while it's in the oven, whip up some sort of like vinaigrette or sauce to drizzle over it. You've got a great dinner that way. So I think it's really important to remember that you can keep it really simple and still have that experience at the end of the day with your family or with yourself at the dinner table um, without making some sort of bolognese that's been simmering for four hours, which if you have the time to do it and you enjoy it, by all means, go for it. But for the ones that are really stressed out to be in the kitchen, making those one pot dinners and making those stir fries and making those sheet pan dinners or whatever you feel most comfortable with is so great. And keeping it simple is always delicious too. And, and, And you can't go wrong. So I think it just re- reminding yourself that you can keep it easy and whip up these fast twenty minute dinners, thirty minute dinners is the way to go at least four nights a week.
0: Yeah. What about leftovers? Um, do you do you deal with leftovers often? I feel like maybe with a family of four, it's not as much of an issue. But any any like hot tips for leftovers?
1: So for for us, like I would say, like the dinners that I cook for my family, we rarely have leftovers. So we usually eat it all. Yeah. And if not, I just feed it to Jimmy, aka my husband. <laughs> I'm like, here are my little garbage disposal. This is the leftovers. We dinner. all have one. <laughs> is it is that what they say? Feed it to I can't remember who it is, but there's a there's a saying Clayton always says it. But we usually don't have leftovers for dinner, but I do have a lot of leftovers from like my recipe testing, which I will either reheat for dinner at night after I've been doing it during the day. Um or I'll send it home with Katie or who have any any friends that want to come yeah. pick it up. But um, I think the key with leftovers is reheating them correctly. And the microwave is always the worst place to reheat. Not for health, any health reasons. I'm not even going there right now. I'm just saying for flavor wise, yeah. reheating food is best reheated in a skillet or a pot. Or if you have an air fryer and you have like leftover salmon or chicken, reheating in the air fryer is a really great way where it doesn't get tough or Weird, yeah. I don't know. So, the, I don't
0: know if you have any specific
1: brain busters for me, but no, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to say,
0: No, <laughs> my I generic I answer. That's that. No, that's really helpful. It just it just popped into my head because I think that's for. Because I mean, in some ways, like meal prep is basically leftovers, <laughs> and so for sure, and a lot can... of people do that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just not reheating it and, and reheating in the oven too, like just putting your oven on a 350, and if you have like glass containers that you store all your individual meals in, and being able to stick it in the oven for 10 minutes or eight minutes, however long it is. Of course, leftovers are never going to be as good as the fresh thing, but you're still having a great meal and it's still going to taste good. It's not going to be perfect, but it'll be as close to perfect as possible, depending on what you're making.
0: Totally. Oh, and when you can eat your meal out of the same container that you cooked it in, it, that's a dish saving hack. It's <laughs> the best thing ever.
1: Totally. Yeah. The glass containers are, are great.
0: For sure. For sure. And the, and the air fryer. I, I plus one on, on that for sure. Being able to use yes. leftovers in air I've fryer.
1: I've really fell in love with my air fryer recently. Like I, I've had it forever and I just did it because everyone was like, please air fryer recipes. And I honestly don't use it to create recipes, but I really do use it for throwing sausages in there for breakfast or uh, reheating things and making my kids chicken nuggets or whatever. It may be a lot of like the freezer things that I buy go in there really well. I don't necessarily like cook my meals with it because I find it's too small. Just going to say for my family. Yeah. But I find it very convenient for other things. It's basically a toaster oven, but way better.
0: <laughs> agree. No, I thought it was like a total gimmick at first. And then we got what well, we registered for one, of course. And now I use it like most days. It's, yeah, it's, it's great. I, I pretty much use mine every day too. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Any other kind of like top time-saving kitchen tips that you can think of for for our listeners at home?
1: Yeah, I think if like you are meal planning and not necessarily prepping, I think if you go on Sunday and you get kind of what I said, like your four things for the week, um, if there's anything that is going to be something that you know when you're tired on like Wednesday night that's going to be cumbersome to deal with, like for example, stemming and chopping up kale, that's a pain in the butt, kind of messy or you know, cutting your cauliflower into florets or whatever it may be to really kind of making the salad dressings on a Sunday is a great thing to do or any sauces that you need so that way your meals can come together fast. Um, if you just spend 30 minutes getting a few of those things done that you know are going to maybe be an obstacle for you later in the week, um, doing those are great. I think definitely making salad dressings or any sauces ahead of time and mixing up. Like if you have a stir-fry sauce that's going to go... And to your stir fry, go ahead and have that in a little container where you just throw it all in and you're done. Anything that you can do to set yourself up for success for the week in any way, I think is just always that you'll never be mad at yourself for doing
0: it. (laughs) You'll be so so happy. It's so true. Yeah. You have to like cash in on that like post grocery store energy and resist the urge to just put it all away and never look at it again. And,
1: And I think for me, keeping my refrigerator really organized. Brings me a lot of joy yes. and it makes cooking a lot easier. So like today I did a grocery haul and I took everything out. I saw what was still fresh, what wasn't. I kind of took inventory. I even get my little vacuum out, which this was a tip that my my followers gave me. They were like, one time I was like wiping all the stuff and they're like, get that vacuum out. Get all the junk out of the refrigerator that like from vacuum it. The from the lettuce or whatever that kind of part in the bottom. Or broccoli. is always messy there. Like I just take the little thing out where it's just the attachment. I vacuum it, I wipe them down. And then I put everything back in there that I know I have for the week. And it really helps me get in my mind what I don't need from the grocery store. And when I get back from the grocery store, it's not like I have to do it all in one bulk. Totally. Time. So I think also just keeping your fridge clean, making sure that you're taking inventory, not only saves you money, but keeps you sane and um, keeps your meal planning a lot more beautiful.
0: I did not know that about vacuuming your fridge.
1: I know it was a, it was a hot tip from people. And I was like, why didn't I think of that before? Yeah,
0: I'm definitely a fridge (laughs) wiper, but I'm going to change my ways as of, as of today. (laughs) Mark it down in history. So good. So good. Um, I love it. Okay. A couple, a couple more questions before we wrap just on the topic of fridge and freezers. What are like three things that you always have in your freezer for you and, or your kids? So
1: in my freezer, I, for my kids, I always have frozen peas because if I'm making like a, a big salad, like a kale salad, like I know my kids are going to be like, what is this? And I'm not, <laughs> they're going to maybe taste it cause I made them, but like, they're not going to eat it. So their favorite thing is peas for whenever that's the time. And I can just steam them really quickly. Um, so I always have peas in there for the kids. I always have like smoothie stuff uh, frozen fruits, um, and vegetables in there to throw into smoothies. And then I always have Siete food tortillas in there. Mm. So if worse comes to worse and I'm like, I don't have anything but ground beef or some, um, I always have fish fix in my freezer so I can like make fish tacos or whatever, um, on the dime. So I'd say those are fish fix is always in my freezer. I love probably out of all of the things that I partner with. It's probably one of my favorite Favorite things, if you oh haven't God. tried it yet, their fish is really good, and it's individually packed. It's packaged so it thaws really quickly, and it's it's a great subscription service for if you're trying to eat more fish. So okay, I love that. We, we <laughs> those are some of my faves. Yeah, John and I are
0: like very when we're cooking at home. It's like beef or chicken, beef for chicken, beef for chicken, and we would like to bring more more fish in. But I get I get a little nervous cooking fish. I'm just not as as skilled with it, or skilled, not as experienced. yeah.
1: You'll have to start off keeping it simple and not trying to for do sure. any fancy techniques. No,
0: I yeah, no, fa- I generally speaking avoid any fancy techniques in the kitchen as, <laughs> a,
1: as a general rule. For so, sure. Well, you'll have to try it and see what you think. Yes.
0: Um, okay, so last last question for you, um, kind of off topic here, but I think it could be helpful for our our uh, listeners here. So a lot of women that you know we work with, and I think in general. Women as a whole struggle with with people pleasing or with spending a lot of time worrying about how they're perceived by others. And I've heard you on other podcasts, yeah, <laughs> like same, same. Um, but obviously, I mean, yeah, I'm sure this is something that you come up against, just given like the sheer number of eyes on you at any given moment of the day. So, how no. have you like dealt
1: with this? That's definitely been something that I feel like. I feel like it's been a really good thing for me as a person to grow because I have always been a people pleaser and I just want everybody to be happy around me. And I will sacrifice my own feelings to make sure that everyone else is satisfied. Yeah. Um, And obviously now I can't possibly do that. (laughs) It's it's actually impossible. And with time, I've realized um, I've gotten better about dealing with it. I've gotten better about rolling it off. I've gotten better about not responding or responding in a way of saying, Hey, it seems that like when you come on my page, you're obviously annoyed or or you're not really happy here. And like, perhaps it's, and and I really rarely have to say this because usually someone will say a snarky comment and I'm just like, that's not worth going there. But every now and then if someone really goes there and they really are just really trying to make me mad or upset me or say anything that just is too far I remind them that there's a freaking button that they don't have to follow me if I really bother them that much. Right? Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, and so um, that's kind of where I go. I either don't respond and just ignore it if it's something that's just you know, oh, I can't believe you're wearing your hair down while you're cooking today. I'm like, okay, that's not worth the time. I'll say that to you <laughs> all the time. It's like little things, like oh, you have stuff under your nails and so gross, and I'm like, sorry, I've been making, av- I've been cutting <laughs> avocados today. Why don't you go do your little manicure and leave me alone? Oh my God. <laughs> like dirty, grungy nails alone. I mean, you'd be surprised when people like even go out of their way to email me because they saw all my stories and like, re- like really get to me, but it's pretty, it's pretty entertaining for the most part and kind of comical. But then there's some that, um, really hit you deep. And I have definitely, I'd say it's the hardest thing about what I do and, there's been a lot of tears that have come out of these eyes because I do, <laughs> I am a human and I'm sensitive and I'm I'm just a more sensitive person in general and um, it has definitely been a big learning curve for me as a person, but I think a good one for me to grow and realize that like we can't please everybody and as long as like you know um, who you really are at its roots and that yeah. you are. A a good person and a good mom. I know people will give me mom comments and I'm like, there's one thing that I really am certain about that I'm a really great mother. And you just have to remind yourselves of like who you know that you are and who people, the way that people might perceive you. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think the only way to get through people that are, you know, that you're trying to worry about pleasing. So
0: yeah, that <laughs> is, Oh, that's so good! I think, yeah, knowing who you are and and yeah, just having that self awareness and spending time with people who remind you of who you are. You know, if if uh-huh. it's ever hard for you to remind yourself, because sometimes you can kind oh, of get sure. lost.
1: Yes, having that that those people, your ride or die people, whether it be one person or five people, I think you have that like close knit group that will always remind you of like who you are and that you're a good person and that you know you're doing your best and they can either help you you know manage those types of people when you're upset by them and tell you like that's not worth communicating with or like hey maybe the the feedback that they gave you could actually be constructive criticism you know it's kind of nice to have other people to bounce that off of because there have been things that people said to me and I realized oh i i, I was being ignorant and I didn't realize that this was a sensitive thing. And like, you can always better yourself from some comments and it's really being able to decipher when people are just being ridiculous and hateful and just wanting to find something to pick at you out or if it's constructive and having your, your tight knit friends to always turn to for that is so important. I love it. And at the end of the day, I realize like, if this all goes away, like, of course I'd be devastated, but I have my family I have who I am as a person and I know who I am as a person and like that is ultimately the most important thing um so you know cancel culture is real and sometimes I will admit like being on a platform that you fear that it's like you know yeah. your business and your 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 everything and it's it's my job but I'm like I could lose this tomorrow technically if someone really <laughs> Came after me, and that's a scary thing. But you know, at the end of the day, I I know who I am, and that I have my family, and like I'll get through whatever comes my way. And we'll, you know, that goes in every aspect of life, though. So
0: <laughs> I love it. No, it's such a such a good reminder. And I think you know, for for those of us on like the audience side of you know the the empire that's the defined dish is like also just remembering that you're a person, or like anyone you see on social media is a person, and therefore they have feelings and flaws and are a person just like everyone else is a, a person, you know, we're all just out here sure. trying to do, do our and, best.
1: And we'll finish on positive. I will yeah. say that most people on the defined dish community that within the defined dish community are like the most kind, loving, lifting uh, people. And I wouldn't be where I am today without them because they are constantly lifting me up and not pulling me down. It's just like a really small percent, but of course it's like, it's kind of like the Amazon reviews. Whenever my first book came out, I could have 4,000, 5,000 five-star reviews, but you know, that handful of the hundred people that have left negative ones took a toll on me at first. And I was like, so upset about it. But then with time, I'm like, it's just, it's just part of this. And I have to get over the fact that I'm not for everybody. Um, and my recipes aren't for everybody. And the way I write isn't for everybody. And you can't, you can't win it all.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I hear you. Well, I personally think your cookbook is fabulous. I cannot yeah. wait for the second one. I think when I was thinking about this podcast and interviewing you and, and like your style of cooking, when I, we actually have a joke in my house. There was a period of time where my husband and I and my younger sister were all living together in my very small home. And we were, it was the kind of at the beginning of the pandemic and we were cooking your recipes almost every single night. And every, I'm like kind of a freestyle in the kitchen. I'm not usually one who follows recipes. And we developed this thing where I would go kind of off on my own with your, one of your recipes and it never turned out very well. And so we developed this saying now that is, we listen to Alex. So we're following (laughs) one of your recipes. Don't
1: stray from Alex.
0: (laughs) Don't stray. We listen to Alex. Um, that's, that's what we say in our house. I like that saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Share with your, your kids and Clayton. That, that'll be a good one. Um, but no, I'm so excited for everything that you have coming out and, and going on. And um, yeah, anything else that our, our listeners should be on the lookout for or where where can they find you on the Worldwide well, Interweb?
1: You can be on the lookout for my new book. And pre-order that. Um, it'll be out in December. And other than that, um, hopefully we'll be doing a book tour. So I'd love to meet some of your amazing community in person when that happens, um, which will be probably in January. Um, And they can find me at the or at the Pretty easy and straightforward. (laughs)
0: Love it. We'll have everything linked below. Thank you so much, Alex. It was great to catch up with you and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for having me.